welcome to the Best of Ventures Dialogue Radio. I'm your host, SM Gaines, and on today's episode, we're going to highlight some of the greatest moments from season one. So if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to the show, this is the perfect time for you to catch up on all of the awesome episodes that you may have missed. I want to give a big special thank you to everyone who has been so supportive of me and the podcast. For season two, we're going to have some more guests coming on to talk about healthcare, mental health, small businesses, entrepreneurship, and finance. But don't you worry, my friends. My good friends from the panel will be coming back in 2022 to keep the relationship discussions going. So be sure to like, subscribe, send me a love note about any topics that you may want to talk about in the future. Okay, let's get started. In episode one, Why Do People Cheat? My very good friend, Patrick Smith, came on to help your girl sort things out. I gotta admit, I got a little emotional talking about the shenanigans that my son's father put me through. And you know, sometimes it happens. I guess you might be wondering, if I had a chance to do it all over again, would I throw hands? Absolutely. She deserved that ass whooping. And I actually think I still have a tiny scar on my knuckle from missing her head and punching the sidewalk. Let's take a listen. Pat, I don't think I I ever told you this story, what I'm about to tell you. I was young. I was 20, 24. I was pregnant with my son and I was with his dad, but I didn't know his dad that well. I met him at at Bentley's. It was a club back in the day in New York that we used to all go to. So I was at Bentley's with my cousin Richard and there was this guy and I'm like, dad, who's that? So made eye contact, long story short. I went home with him. Yeah, I was fast at at that age, but I went home with him. And three days later, I ended up moving in with him. Oh, wow. Eight months later, like a few months later, I got pregnant with my son. So I knew that there was an ex, but I didn't know the whole situation. So I'm nosy. I'm looking through the house. Every time he left, I would look through, look through his shit to see like what's going on, if he's cheating, blah, blah, blah. So I found something. I found like some hospital paperwork or something with his ex. I'm not going to mention her name. And I looked through the paperwork, looked through the paperwork, looked through the paperwork. And Pat, yo, she had terminated six pregnancies. I'm not here to judge anybody. But remember, we're talking about why do people stay? She's invested in him. Fast forward, I found out that every time she got pregnant, he would tell her, I'm not ready. We'll do the next one. I'm not ready. We'll do the next one. I'm not ready. Up until next time, right? (laughs) That's pretty serious. Exactly. So picture this. I'm pregnant. 24 young. One day I'm in the house sleeping. It was, it was close to my, I was eight months. So it wasn't time for me to give birth yet. I was minding my own business, sleeping in my bed. I hear some, something going on in the apartment. So I hear like two sets of uh, footsteps. I look up and it's the ex-girlfriend and my son's father together. So I get up. I'm like, yo, what what the fuck's going on? And she's like, oh, you're so disgusting. Again, why do people keep calling me disgusting? She's like, oh, you're so disgusting. And I said, well, I'm pregnant with his child. So I... I must not be too disgusting. And she was like, there's nothing going on. You're his roommate. He just felt sorry for you. And one night he got weak. 
and then you and then you got pregnant. Oh, she told you that? Wow. Yeah. I was like, really? My son's father is just standing there looking stupid and not even saying anything. She's calling me all types of shit. He never said anything. So finally, she said what she had to say. She was like, oh, we bought a house in Long Island. We're going to be together. You're going to be a homeless, broke bitch. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So then after that, I'm looking at him for him to defend me because I am carrying his child. I will be the mother of his right. son, right? Pat, he doesn't say anything. He just goes down the stairs and they leave. He stays out all night. The next morning, he comes in and he tries to hit me up. And I'm like, yo, dude, you was just with the next chick. I'm not giving you any. Like, what's wrong with you? He was like, oh, I had to tell her that because... I went through a lot with her. She wanted to have a baby. And every time she got pregnant, I told her, it's not time. It's not time. And then you pop up pregnant. That's not my fault that she was stupid. For real. Right? For That's real. not my fault. Later on that day, I was like really upset about it. So I went into labor. Went to the hospital. I had my son. He was nowhere to be found. Nowhere in sight when I had my son. So... Three days later, he came to the hospital. He didn't even he didn't even hold my son. Um, I'm, okay, whatever. Next day, I got uh, th three days passed and I got released from the hospital. So who else is gonna pick me up? I'm here by myself. My mom is in here. At the time, I wasn't talking really talking to my dad. He's so supposed to pick you up. Son's father picked me up from the hospital. When I'm telling you the level of disrespect, Pat, guess what happened? Take a wild guess of what happened. Now you said you said the mom picked so, you up. So no no no. My up. son's father picked me up. I said my mom my mom wasn't in New right. York with me at the time. So my son's father picked me up, and I wasn't really I didn't really wasn't talking to my dad at that at that time. So I was right. basically by myself. So I get checked out carrying my son. I go to the parking lot. This bitch jumps out the car, jumps out the car, runs up to me and my son. And she says, the baby is ugly, just like the mother. So he brought the ex-girlfriend to the hospital. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes, sir. He, he, he brought her to pick me up and my son from the hospital. It gets worse. It so gets he didn't worse. have any respect for it. So we get into the, the truth. No, he didn't. Or her. Cause he yeah, was lying she, to both she's of us. Nobody. So you I don't get want to carry the bank. Yeah. She's just, yeah, apparently she must have thought she was somebody. And I couldn't really throw hands because I had my son. So I wasn't going to get out and throw yeah. hands with a yeah. newborn. You know what I mean? Right. So I get, he, so he opens the, the back door. He opens the back door and he puts me and my son in the back seat. And this crusty bitch gets in the front seat and then they start kissing and making out in front oh, of me like, and my newborn. Ain't got no, she's a nobody. No respect at all. So after that, I said, I will never, ever Ever, ever, ever let a man disrespect me like that. And people could say, wow, she's stupid. Why does she stay? I would have taken my baby and left. But it was the circumstances. Like, I couldn't just up and leave. I could not. I didn't have, you know, like I said, my, my mom wasn't in the, in nope. the same city. Who's by yourself. Right. Right. So after my son was three months, then I went to see my mom, but I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to move where she was she at the time. No, she oh, was okay. in Virginia. There's more. <laughs> it doesn't end here with this guy. So I went to see my mother for, I would say three weeks, came back. All of my shit, all of my son's stuff, he threw it out in the, in the yard. Cause at the time we were living in Queens, he threw it out in the yard. He just took our stuff and threw it out. Like we were garbage. Wait, it this? gets better. <laughs> this, this is a story that keeps going on and on. Yes. So once I got my son, I had him in the carriage. I'm like, Oh, let me take him for a walk. It's a nice night. So then the neighbors came out. They were like, yo, you got to leave right now. And I'm like, why do I need to leave? I live here. I just got back. Why am I leaving? Because your son's father 
And his girlfriend, they told me she was there the whole time I was in Virginia. She was there staying with him. And he said that they were out looking for me. And she said she was going to kick my ass. She was going to kick my ass. So at this time, I'm good. My son is three months. If she wants to throw hands, we're going to throw hands. Right after they said that, he pulls up with her in the car and she jumps out. She immediately starts fighting me. I'm not, I I mean, I'm not no punk. I'm going to fight her back. All the neighbors are out in the yard. Good. It's a good thing the neighbors are out because as I was fighting her, my son's baby carriage rolled into the fucking street. And guess who didn't go run and get him? He didn't go. One of the neighbors went and got my son and pulled him back on the sidewalk. And after that, I was like, you know what? You want this piece of shit? You got him. And after that, I bounced. I don't even remember at the point at that time where I went. I think after that, I did reconnect with my dad. But just to show you, I stayed in a relationship for my reason because I think I'm in love right. with my son's father. She stayed in a relationship because Apparently, they had been together for quite some time. I found out later when I got with him, he had just broken up with her a week before. And he told me the reason why he was with her is because he put her in the hospital and he couldn't just break up with her because he he did something to her and she had to get her her mouth wired shut or some, something crazy he did to her. Yes, he beat her up really bad. Like they locked oh. him up and everything. So he put her in the hospital. So why did she, she stay? She still wanted to be with him? Yes. She still wanted to be with him. Wow. So guys, it's no secret how much I have struggled on a dating scene since I got divorced. In episode two, are dating apps a waste of time? I brought on my good friends, Tiffany and Derek to help me with all of my questions about dating apps. Apparently, I chose partners that were too young. Tiff spills the tea. I am here with my good friend, Tiffany, and my good friend, Antonio, and we are going to be dishing the dirt about dating apps. Are they a total waste of time or what? Guys, let's start with you, Miss Tiffany in Texas. Okay. A good name, Tiffany, Texas. Tiffany in Texas. No, Tiffany does Texas. Tiffany does Texas. She doesn't do Texas. (laughs) (laughs) You won't date a guy over 50. No. No? I like them young. Tiffany, you oh, know right. I like them young. Yeah, they young and broke. Bro, I know that's right. <laughs> I'm not doing young and broke. Well, it's a give and take because they if they broke, they can make up, you know, they can make up for it in different ways. I'd rather have mediocre sex with You said mediocre sex, but I'd be taking have the sex be mediocre, but the bank account is not mediocre. During episode three mental illness in America's jails and prisons. My friend Drew gave us a lot of good information about mental health, and he talked about a very interesting encounter that he had while on the job. Let's see what Drew had to say. I'm going to tell you, I, uh, you know, personal story insight. I, um, I had a process where I had to grow, um, going into the jail, you know, I'm, I'm coming in, you know, I have the New York state of mind, you know, and when some of the guys was talking to me, we would sit there and go back and forth, you know, and, and we would shoot threats at each other. Cause you know, they will drew, yo, you don't know when I get out, what makes you think that I won't find you? I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, here's my address. 
and I put my ID on the glass so they can see where I live at. And then I would tap my finger at the top of the ID to show them that the ID I had that had my address on it was my um my my permit to carry. Oh, see wow. me. I was you know I was gonna say where are we going with this conversation? <laughs> because I there was a, a whole process that I had to go into because I wasn't understanding what they were going through. Right. Um, you know, and, and so it's like when you're dealing with somebody that's dealing with depression, aggravation, dealing with somebody like that, there's a process. Everyone that comes into that jail system, even though that they might come um, in an aggressive manner, which is where I was going, that I had to learn that. Guess what? These are all somebody's children. Yes. These are all people that um, that need to be. Uh, handled in a professional manner, some people that need to uh, express themselves to talk about their issues. And and, and we used to go at it and I, I learned, wait a minute, we don't know what are the initial issues for this person. Why, why is this person feeling this way? Why are they agitated? Why are they committing these crimes? Mm-hmm. And so when I came back with a different attitude and I said, you know what, let me go back and talk um, in a different way. So when someone comes through with threats and anger and I'll be ask them, so listen, so how did this start? What what happened? How mm-hmm. how's your family? You know, I'll talk to you when you're ready to talk. Right. You know, I'm ready to talk about anything that you want to discuss on your terms. And then that's when they saw that I was someone on their side, that I was someone um about thing that they have gone through. Um, I talked to one guy, he had just come in and, you know, you don't know what mentality, a lot of times they throw threats and it's like, well, we can't take that stuff personal because you're a professional. So you take, you take each issue, you know, story by story. This particular guy, he had burn marks on his shirt. And so I said, Hey, what's going on with you? So we're talking. And as we're having a conversation, it's charges. And, you know, this was so unique about my job because it wasn't a prison where they got to think about stuff. This was this is a jail where the person was being chased on the news. He was there because he had uh, the burn marks that he had. He set a girl's house on fire, pulled her out of the fire and raped her while she was on fire. Oh, my God. You know, these are the different type of people that I was talking to. And it's like, yo, you have burn marks on your shirt right now and that's a lot to take in right now yeah yeah and so that's the reason why it's like you know there's there's each person that's going through whatever they're going through so so for him to to be able to do something like that we we we're quick to throw that person away we're quick to um to discard this person but this is a person that we need to talk to so that he doesn't do it again Everyone loves a success story, right? So in episode four, Life on a Hill, I have a candid conversation with my family, Brittany Jenkins Esquire, about her humble beginnings in North Carolina and her path to becoming chief of staff and staff director to one of her mentors. I just happened to see this posting for Mr. Cummings um, wanting a counsel uh, for his committee when he was ranking member of the House Oversight Committee. And I looked at it for like a few weeks and I was like, you know, there's there's no way I'm going to get that. I was in Roanoke. I was not even in D.C. at the time. I hadn't worked on the Hill. A lot of people usually if they get Hill jobs have connections or they did internships. Uh-huh. I didn't do that. And so... I was like, I don't even think I'd be competitive. But after looking at it, and I was like, you know what? Keep seeing it. What the hell? Why not? So 
I applied and then, um, you know, about three weeks later or so I got contacted to do a first interview and yeah. And then, you know, about a month later I got the position and I moved to DC and I've been on the Hill set. That's amazing. You know how many people probably applied for that same job and you got it? Yeah. I mean, and it's what I always found astounding, too, and it kind of resonates with what I always loved about Mr. Cummings, is that he made it a priority to give folks opportunities who wouldn't otherwise have the opportunities. Mm -hmm. Kind of like you just discussed, is, or you mentioned, is like, there's so many folks, and I did, environment, I did the environmental portfolio for him. There are probably so many people, Sharon, like- Thousands. Hill, <laughs> yeah, in, in these big fancy law firms in New York or what have you that like he could have picked and he would have, they would have been successful or whatever. But the fact that he was like, I'm gonna give this like young black mm -hmm. woman who has not been on the Hill, but like has a ton of energy and like really still believes in this idea that the world can change. We can do better for folks. I'm going to oh give my her God. a shot. So amazing. Oh yeah. <laughs> but the fact yeah, that he's like, I'm going to give her a shot. And he did. And it's just things like that. that you're like that moment, like really changed the trajectory of, you know, my career. And I think what I also felt like was possible for me to accomplish. So he, you know, I am always going to be indebted to him. He's always going to be, you know, mm -hmm. like my North Star. Are you a savvy entrepreneur looking for a good platform to sell your products? In episode five, Audrey King, owner of So Chic Handbags, gives us an inside look at the Etsy platform and how she started her journey into fabulousness. Audrey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us what type of store you have on Etsy? Oh, sure. Yes. So my shop, So Chic Handbags, it's S-E-W, Chic Handbags, it's a handbag sewing pattern source. I don't sell physical bags. I sell the sewing patterns to people along with detailed picture instructions, and then they make their own handbag. But the process really is they download a PDF pattern from me, which comes in several pages. They tape it together, cut out the pieces, mm -hmm. much like you would a store pattern from, you know, like Joanne's fabric. Go ahead and uh, sew together your bag, done per your design design aesthetic. It's a really fun business actually, because put your stuff out there and then people, you know, yeah. post pictures of their bag and they, people come up with all kinds of things I didn't even think about when I was making the base pattern design. So it's just a lot of mm -hmm. fun and interacting with the customers, but that's my business. Did you go to any type of design school like FIT or is this something that you just came up with naturally? So I'm actually in real life a chemical engineer. I didn't go to FIT, I actually went to Columbia. I studied mm -hmm. chemical engineering, actually work in the oil and gas business, downstream uh, Refining specifically. I used to, upon a time, work for one of the majors, but uh, currently I work for a software company. We sell software to the refineries in order for them to optimize margins. So very different from, you know, making handbags. And mm -hmm. I get the question all the time, like, okay, well, you're an engineer. Like, like how are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Doesn't make any sense. But right. um, yeah, so I'm not really, you know, I didn't go to fashion school, but, you know, just because you're an engineer doesn't mean you don't like to have fabulous things. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's actually, um, is very math-based. It's very similar right. to some of the work that I do, um, you know, at my day job. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of geometry um, and I'm using simulation software, uh, make sure that all that, you know, pieces fit together, angles are correct, et cetera. And so it feels actually a lot um, like the process design software I use for the refinery. So it actually works out really well. It's all about researching and really thinking about your mm -hmm. product before you put it out there. Cause otherwise, I mean, yeah, there's a few, um, like when I was first starting sewing, like a few bags, I was like, oh, this is so cute. And then like, you're walking along the street and then the bottom of your bag and all your stuff. <laughs> 
Okay, Did that actually happen to you? Yeah, in my in my early days. Oh my god, <laughs> this is years ago. <laughs> Not all of my audience, all of my recent patterns, bags, <laughs> amazing. I wear them today; they're fabulous. Don't worry about that. But yeah, when you first start, I mean, there's all these dumb things that you'll just do and you'll not realize. I need to backstitch and I need to complete the scene, or you know, you'll miss little things here and there and things. Will start right. Outside. So yeah, thinking thinking about the customer experience uh, was a big thing for me. And then challenges, of course, are just like learning SEO, um, mm-hmm. learning how to drive you know, traffic to your website. Everything's a learning curve. Thankfully, I had done some of that with my previous businesses, but obviously those weren't successful. So whatever I was doing was wrong. So right. um, I would definitely like, you know, figure out the platforms and, and uh, like figuring out my niche and how to, you know, kind of navigate that and really work mm-hmm. The other thing too is like along the way, um, customers will provide you feedback, like, um, and definitely listen to that, you know, good or bad. Mm-hmm. You can really shape like, like some of my customers, like I am a person, I like to have all the pattern pieces, but other customers just prefer to just get like dimensions. So mm-hmm. for some of my patterns, like there's a couple of days, like, oh, I love this pattern, but you know, I, I really rather not have cut all these pieces. So I made a second version where, you know, you can just like, I just tell you, oh, it's 11 inches by you know four inches or whatever, cut out this piece. And it, people were very happy. So right. listen, along the way, listen to your customers, try to test your, your, your products. And then, uh, yeah, just um, don't be afraid to fail. Everything doesn't have to be perfect when you're first starting, because trust me, yeah. I don't care what you do. It's not going to be, it's going to be a hot mess. Episode six is the follow-up episode to why do people cheat? My good friend Patrick Smith comes back on to answer some audience questions. Did he really throw his pops under the bus? It's different when you say, I have a girlfriend. That means you have said that you, you're having a, a monogamous relationship with one person. Right. Hopefully. Well, you know what? That brings back another thing that you said, um, Pat, about communication. Because maybe the person doesn't even think that they're they're cheating maybe the woman or the man is assuming that they're in a relationship and they're not like they haven't been claimed. You know what I mean? So that pretty much most of the time, if you're in a relationship and you've been in one for a while, Mm-hmm. You have already established that you're together, especially if y'all living together. You you definitely have established that. If you're living together, yeah. Now, unless y'all don't say, oh, we're living together, but we can date other people. Well, then that's not cheap. Right. That's an open relationship. That's an open relationship. Right. But no one says that. And you have the, the idea that, hey, we're exclusive to only each other. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's someone cheap. Now, it's different when, they, like you say, we use names like the James Bond and all that. You have mm-hmm. guys that just meet a lot of girls. Now, my dad, when him and my mom were separated, took me to a couple of his girlfriends. But he never said that he was they was his girlfriends. They was more like his friends. Right. They was his girls. They was girls that was you know he was sleeping with them. But uh, are you? I guess you, just, you friends. I guess you. I guess you friends with benefits. Did you, you just put your pops on blast, Pat? <laughs> yeah, he. he yeah. <laughs> he ain't like that now, though. Okay, good. He's married and settled down. But I'm saying back when 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 he was young, right, yeah, especially when you separate him and my mom got separated and you know you know he did what he wanted so if you hear this episode pop sorry for hearing like, if you hear it, but that's just how it is. oh my god I, poor I dad, just had we got a lot of responses and feedback for exit stage left episode seven that episode left our audience wanting for more ray came on to talk about his life as a gang member in the Chicago Vice Lords, how he left the gang, 
and gave us some tips and warning signs to look out for if you suspect that your child is affiliated with that gang life. What are some of the signs that you can give parents who might suspect that their child or children might be in a gang, but they are not 100% sure? Is there anything that they can look out for? I, I will say the friend, the people they're hanging out with, mm-hmm. you know, getting in trouble, that's right there getting in trouble with the police Mm -hmm. and things like that i think that it takes two parents to deal with that versus one so i I feel like both parents have to be in full time um and as a as a young man the i feel like you know some fathers need to really step in and what i see happen a lot is a relationship may not go the right way you may separate and the father is like, you know what? I'm not going to participate in the, in, in the youth life to make it harder for the woman. Mm-hmm. Trust I me, mean? I know that firsthand. And, and, and I think, you know, when you have a, 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 a child, it's your responsibility to be full time, you know, not one foot in, one foot out. Because I think, I think it starts there. Uh, me being disconnected from my dad gave me an opportunity to, you know, get into the streets, get into the gang, get into the drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, really set up a, uh, a, co- a strong co-parenting relationship with, 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 your, with your children. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Episode eight, Fire and Desire, is one of my absolute favorite episodes. Drew is back on the scene and he had a stern message for our listener in Alabama when she wrote in for advice about her love life. The heat was on. Okay, Drew, back to you. <laughs> hey, okay. Right. On. Uh-huh. So um, now, now in dealing with her, because I mean, like, uh, I, I, I agree with everyone. Um, they've said a lot of things that I was going to say later. Um, so in dealing with her right now, she has a lot of mixed emotions and she needs to work on her first. You know, that's she needs to have uh, self-confidence in herself. Uh, she said that her husband is treating her really, really well. Things are great. Um, I wouldn't jeopardize that. But if you allow me to take the gloves off real quick, you ready for that? Okay, let's cold crack this letter. All right. Uh, dear listener, I want to tell you, he doesn't want you. All right. Straight and simple. Um, let's let's look at what, what was written in the letter. He doesn't have the stability, right? Because he, he's not a homeowner. If he moved back home, that means he's not paying a mortgage somewhere. He's back home with whoever, family or whatever. He's about to go again. And we could take the high road. Let's say, you know, he's, he's stacked like that. His business is moving him around. He's military. Okay. But in any case, he's moving around. On this past weekend, on tonight at 11 p.m., what do you think he's doing? He's not concerned about you because he knows that you're laid up with his, with with your husband. So he's off with some other woman. A lot of the stuff that he's kicking to you is game, straight game. He wants to hook up one time. You told him that you have all these feelings. He told you he wanted to be a friend. Sometimes men are not complex. Men are simple. He already told you what he wanted. He just wanted a friendship and he wants to hit one last time before he moves on to the next state. And also in the letter, you said that um, that uh, you don't want to miss out on the opportunity so that he won't meet someone else and forget all about her. Well, he forgot about you for 27 years. He could have reached out a long time ago. He's reaching out to you now because you're close. You're an opportunity. You're a bucket list. Right now, he's just taking advantage of the moment and then he's going to keep on moving with the other women he has in other states. So I would not put a whole lot of interest into him because your feelings and his feelings are not mutual. Wow. 
Let the church say amen. Oh my God. Right. He broke that damn. Yeah. Damn, Drew, you went in. Okay, episode nine, Out on a Limb. If you miss episode eight, we finally found Ray who missed out on the panel discussion from episode eight because of some minor technical difficulties. He actually got it together, broke it down, and I showed him no mercy. Sorry, cuz. I used to be that guy back in the day. Oh, I yeah. yeah. And, and I've done yes, you of, were. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've done a lot of work. And like today, when I get into a relationship, I like to just put everything on the table and say, hey, I even shared what I've done in the past and where I came, the work that I've done to get to this point. So I like to just put everything on the table so you don't be wondering and, you know, just want to make you comfortable if we're going to do this. Wait, you shared what? You shared the things that you did to other people? In the oh, past? yeah. You know, I can remember one relationship that you share that with the new girls that you that you date. Yeah, because why would you do that? Well, I mean, just to share where I came from. I mean, but I wouldn't want to hear that because if if I'm dating a guy and I really like him and he starts telling me about the d- stuff that he did to other women, I'm thinking, when is he going to do it to me? Well, I think I think you know I've been in situations where women have asked me about my past relationship. I mean, we really got into deep conversations. It's like I try not to really talk bad about my past relationships, you know, mm-hmm. because I feel like. You know, every relationship you have, and even if you split, it's a learning experience. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we're in bad relationships so we can understand what a good one is. And there was a time in my life I had to take responsibility for the things that I've done to women. There was a time that I wouldn't share myself that way too. And the work that I have done is like, you know, hey, I discovered that I have to like share myself more and to share where I'm authentic and inauthentic in the past. Episode 10, Just a Friend. Boy, (laughs) did we ruffle some feathers with this episode. Is it okay to date your friend's ex? Most of the panel said no. Do you agree or disagree? Let's listen in to what the panel had to say on the subject. Nicole, do you have any final words for our friend in um, DC who wants to date her best friend's ex? Yeah, I would just say that she has to determine whether this ex is worth it because she will drastically change that relationship with her friend. Um, They're best friends. They won't be best friends anymore. Right. This guy really the one but she's willing to do that because if she's just doing it because they're going to hook up. And like Tiffany said, is it worth it? Is your friendship worth that person? She really needs to think about that. And if her friend already told her she's upset, she broke the girl code. Mm-hmm. Then right there, she needs to make a decision. Am I going to go still go see this guy? I'm going to go, you know, back and tell my friend, Hey, I wasn't transparent with you. I apologize. I'm not going to see him anymore. Um, She needs to make a very strong decision here. And finally, episode 11, Who Runs the World? Are Men Intimidated by Successful Women? Let me tell you, I had some heated discussions after this aired, but none of those guys wanted to come on the show and debate with me. What's up with that? You know, we're both making pretty good salaries and bringing in a lot of money. I'm definitely saving a lot of money. And so when it comes down to purchasing homes, that should be easier as opposed to couples who are equally, I'm giving up 50%, you giving up 50%. And then Uh when it comes to down payment for a home, we only got a good three to five thousand dollars. Exactly. <laughs> well, where do we go from here? Poverty? Exactly. 
<laughs> right. And so I do intimidate a lot of men with this logic, but you know, as a successful business owner, I do. And I know I'm probably getting it. I see y'all raising your eyebrows. I feel this. <laughs> but it's okay. And I'm okay with waiting, you know, for that man that comes, you know, through my door. But here's the thing. As a successful business owner, I understand money. I understand mm-hmm. finances. And I understand what that looks like. And if more African-American households understood that, we would be a lot better off financially to be able to set ourselves up and then our children and then their children and so forth and so on. That's different. That's a different type of a different level of thinking that not a lot of people have. And so I'm not willing to go half and half with any man because God don't make half people. And I don't want a 50 50 relationship. I want a hundred. I'm going to give a hundred and you're going to give a hundred. And so either... We both gonna come. Yeah, we're both gonna come a hundred percent because that creates overflow. If you're just giving fifty percent and I'm giving fifty percent, what happened when I don't want to give fifty? We're lacking, and I don't want that type of relationship. Erica made some very good points, and I had to agree with her take on the topic. I took notes. Well, guys, that's it. I hope you enjoyed the best of show, and I hope to see you all in 2022. Stay safe and stay well. Love you guys. If this is your first time joining, welcome to Vintage Dialogue Radio, and thank you for listening. And if you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so that you never miss a thing. What topics do you want to talk about in the future? I'm sure you have plenty of questions for my guests. So don't forget to drop a comment, ask a question, and leave a review. You never know, I could actually call upon you to be a special guest on my show. All of the information about this episode is in the description box, along with the email and links to my blog, website, and more. Thanks again for joining. Until next time.